Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Chris Rydell, actor and now podcast host, I guess. Um, that guy you've seen on a million TV shows and movies, but you still do not know my name. And I'm David Allen Bache, actor and sometimes producer, and you also recognize me from lots of films and TV shows, but you probably couldn't name one of them right now if I paid you to. The two of us and our guests are going to let you in on some secrets on how to make it as an actor and share some private stories from the many movies and TV shows that we've worked on. That's right. We're going to interview a special guest each week, and we'll get their best advice and wisdom for you about how to break into this business and how to stay in it. And yes, again, there will be stories, stories, stories. So, let's get to it. This is Confessions of a Working Actor. Chris, that does not look like your usual recording spot. Where are you? I'm lost in London. Oh, that's a I good city I came out here to, to see in. my son, and my grandson, and my daughter-in-law. That's so, fantastic. Be, things are good. I'm in East London, very happening. You walk out the door, all kinds of food and people. Yeah. Will you get a chance to see anything on the West End while you're there or anything like that or not this trip? No, I'm just seeing diapers and a baby. <laughs> and actually, he's two. So um, I spent, you know, I've done like 15,000 steps trying to get him to fall asleep in the stroller, walking around London. I've been to the park and the swing maybe, you know, perfect times a day. Perfect. See, that'll keep you busy. So, yeah. I heard you uh, did a VO. Is this true? Is this? Did you oh, yes. I, I did a little, I was uh, recording a little voiceover for a pharmaceutical company, and I think it's like an industrial thing, but they were very happy with this booth, with this sound booth that I'm talking to you from. So that's... <laughs> That's a good thing. Well, I'm sure they were, you know, happy with your voice. Well, I hope so. I hope that, I hope so. Uh, you know, we'll see. People are listening to the podcast, apparently. You have a good voice. I have a good voice. So, you know, I guess that's like 90% of the game. Yeah, I got to do a VO the other day, too. Oh, yeah? How'd it go? Yeah. It went pretty good. I did a hotels.com. Oh, yes. Good. I hope it runs and runs and runs and runs. Me, too. I love a mountain it. Lodge. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, let's get into it. This week, this week we got a guy. 
He's more than just a guy who knows a guy whose brother or cousin can do the thing to the other guy. He's quite a guy. He's Tommy Longo from The Deuce. Well, I know that he's also Joe Martini from NYC, 22-2-2. That's right. He's Patrick Parisi from The Sopranos. We, uh, This guy and I, we work together on the film United 93, and I'm here to tell you he's absolutely spectacular. He is an intense, dedicated actor. He's an inspiration to anyone who's who's lucky enough to share a stage or a screen with him, and I hope he likes that introduction. Well, let's welcome Daniel Sally. <laughs> welcome, Daniel. <laughs> you guys, just like, that was a shot of the best frosting on a cake that I've ever had in my life. Uh, that's it. That's what we do here at Confessions of a Working Actor. That was more sugar than any actor deserves. <laughs> no, you deserve it, brother. You deserve it. Very nice. Welcome. Welcome. Thank where you. where are we talking to you? We know Chris is in London today. I'm in New York. Where are you, Daniel? I am also in New York. Very good. Very good. I was supposed to be elsewhere, but I made it back to New York. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I can I just say, Chris, just to go back a second, grandfather? Yeah. Yep. I'm almost two times over. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah, just, it, it, you you got going very very early. Yeah, he did. Smart man, yeah. smart man. It is kind of smart, actually. Yeah, it wasn't smart. easy at the you beginning. It's tough when your friends are running around going like, you know, we're going out, we're hitting, we're going to afters. Are you coming? I'm like, no, nah, I actually got a kid, you know. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know, in their fifties with a kid going. What was I thinking, man? That's right. <laughs> now, what that's was I why, doing? It's like By the way, individual checks from old uh, network shows. You're like that's yeah, why I focused on getting. <laughs> yeah, the, I would be that one of those guys. By the way, Chris. Yeah, I have a 13 year old, and now I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm going through the high school application process, and I could barely keep. But it up, doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just it's thinking like, about getting it going now. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> oh my god. Get on it. Get on it. Get, get on it. Well, well, I'll tell you what. Let's focus on your career and your body mm. of work. Mm. So that'll take some pressure off. Thanks for having me. We're happy to have you. And I I just wanted to ask, I know one of the recent things you you did, I believe, was a film with Naomi Watts and, and my my buddy Bobby Cannavale called This Is the Night. Was that wow. was that a was that a horror movie? Like what Wait was a it a so I got to tell you something. I, yeah. I don't. What happened to that movie? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I don't know what happened. What I I didn't never see it. I've heard about it. So, I think it's so. Did you shoot it? Like what? Tell us what happened. Yes, but that was years ago. That was so. What happened to that movie? I have not heard anything about it. So uh, I. Do you want to hear the back? Or we we want to hear all about it because there's actors listening that also you know maybe they've never experienced that where you do a project and then it's like you gotta yeah. let go you gotta let go of it and you never know what's gonna happen. So I I did I think it was a really short shoot. It was an indie. They got money because the director is well known for some like horror series where like the the purge that was called the purge where like you go. But I know this guy because he wrote a pilot that I did in 2004 for Showtime with 2003, maybe with Marsha Gay Harden, mm. with the team that had just won an Oscar for what was that cool movie? Oh, God. With Kim Spacey and Allison Janney. Talking about American Beauty? Youngs. 
Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Alan, Alan anyway. Ball. Alan Ball wrote that. Right. American right. Beauty. Right. So James, who had linked up with those producers, wrote this pilot, didn't go. And I've always been in touch with him. He's a nice guy. Staten Island. He's like uh, doing an indie. And I ended up, the best thing about that project was that I ended up in a car with Max Casella for two days, <laughs> who I had never met. He's like a great New York character actor. Yeah. I mean, he'd be a great guy to talk to, too. Anyway, so that was great. But I have not seen it. It was like a comedy. It oh, was about, really? Yeah, it was James trying to do his like personal film after he'd made all this money doing the, the, the splatter the action whatever film interesting that's why i asked if it was a horror because i i no, assumed no it's about the i'll tell you the story it's about the night like rocky three or four was released and he was a kid in staten island and there's like i don't know it's very huh. like italian american out of my realm like it, I, I reached my ceiling of italian american stuff <laughs> but it was very like local and so i don't really know but uh it was it's like two three years ago I should maybe find out what's going on there. Interesting. It was fun. It was like a comedy. We were improvising in a car all night. Max, Max Casella is like one of those actors where I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I definitely caught a baseball with a new mitt and I've caught one with a really well-worn mitt. Mm. And you get those actors that are really well-worn and you're just having catch with them. That's, oh, that's Max. You know? That's a, that's a great analogy. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, sorry, I didn't have more about, I haven't actually seen it, but. No, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's happened to me where I've, I've, you know, especially with independent film, you know, you, you shoot something and then uh, that's it, you know, you know, maybe you never hear from them again, or then sometimes two, three years later, all of a sudden there's a distribution deal and someone wants you to do an interview or show up somewhere or take a picture. You, you really, you really never know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've had that experience. I did a Dario Argento. He's a Italian yeah. horror film director. Of course. Master. Yeah. yeah. The master, but this was like his film that wasn't going to be really a horror film. And it's like, that doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. You know, it's, it's the original really was a big influence on me. I, you know, I grew up between David, I don't know if you know this. I grew up between Florence, Italy and New York city. Cause my yeah. dad lives there. My mom, he's from there. My mom's from here. And so I, I remember seeing it on TV as a kid when you don't quite know what camp is yet. You don't quite know you're impressionable and the original suspedia that was uh mm. they would they would show those on tv all the time and there's no kind of rating system there you know yeah mm. thank god creepy well and so uh, that's a good segue i think into you know you, you split your time between italy and the u.s when you were younger how how'd you get started in this crazy business well i'll just tell you the story simply i was in high school in manhattan and in New York City. And I had a very active social life and I played a lot of soccer and I smoked a lot of weed and I liked artistic things like music and such, but I really didn't have much direction at all. And so in my senior year in high school, I did the zoo story, Edward Albee. Uh, Albee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were like, all right, I'll do a play. Just like, you know, instead of going to Sheep's Meadow or whatever and, you know, hanging out. And there was, when I moved from Italy, I remember we moved back to the apartment that my grandmother bought in the 50s for like $13,000 on West oh. 83rd Street. And we go down to the park there and 
I had gone to camp upstate when we were living in Italy. I'd come back and my grandmother had a place in the Hudson Valley because she ran a camp there. She was a social worker, my American grandmother. And I was in the park with my mom. We had just gotten here. And I said, Mom, I know that guy, the kid from camp. And it was this kid named Matt Emmett. And his mom was a divorced mother. And she had happened to live in the building that we lived in as well. And she ended up being one of my mother's close friends hmm. for the next 30 years, 40 years until her death, actually, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And she was a very well-known Broadway producer. Uh-huh. So before I was even into acting, they were just pals, right? And I did this play and she just came to see it as a pal. And she takes me aside afterward, very dramatically. And everyone was like, oh, this woman's so histrionic, which she was. <laughs> she says, oh, dearie. So what? She goes, Oh, dearie. I said, what? You have to do this. I'm like, do what? She goes, you should really, really probably do this. I'm like, probably? She said, it's a miserable life. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 18. I'm like, oh, this woman. Everyone's like, oh, she's being so dramatic. I went that weekend, read for a dear friend of hers who was a wonderful actress, phenomenal actress, who has another story. You should interview her someday. And a casting director. She sent me to her agent at the time, who was a woman named, well, I won't mention her, but she was at a place called Susan Smith Agency. And that summer before, I had already signed up to go to liberal arts college, which happened to have a good drama program, but I was auditioning for the Basketball Diaries and, you know, these kind of things. And I didn't know what was going on. I was like, Mm. you go in and you kind of do what you do. And I almost got cast in several things. I didn't. I went off to this college for two years after two years I just it wasn't working there I was like I'd reached my something reached the ceiling there and fortuitously they had a because my mother was a professor at another liberal arts college in the northeast they had a tuition exchange program with her school and her school was affiliated with a theater school in Paris so I basically transferred to that school and by by way of being a student at that school where I didn't pay I went to this program for free in Paris, Mm. which was the most formative time of my life because it has nothing to do with the work that I've done in terms of realism as an actor. It had to Mm. do with styles of theater and really taught you how to be an artist, which has been a blessing and a curse in a weird way. Mm. But that was it. From there, I went and I studied and I worked. And then I look, I, I don't say this glibly. I say this understanding how utterly difficult it is, but I got back to New York and a week after I got cast in a Broadway play. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, I, I, it just like, and it happened to be a hit. It was a revival of a view from the bridge with Anthony LaPaglia and Alison. Oh yeah. The late Brittany Murphy. Yep. And then before that ended, I got cast in a West end play with Liam Neeson. Daniel, tell us something that, I mean, obviously, you know, you've had a a real journey and studying, you know, really helps, (laughs) you know, it's like you don't get cast in stuff. You go away, you're doing the work in college, you come back and you get cast in something. Tell us something, you you know, you've obviously been working a long time that something that you wish that you had known about this business when you started that, you know, now. Well, I wish I'd known when I got the first two plays, Broadway and West End, I wish that I'd known six months later, I'd be waiting tables again. (laughs) Uh, And I wish I had known that from that, well, another thing 
I wish I'd started writing earlier. Mm. I've always had a mind that is interested, to be honest with you, equally in lights, rhythm, music, angles, and the craft of building something as much as like an emotional truth in a moment. And to be honest with you, maybe that the former things have eclipsed a little bit currently the being an actor and not having much agency. Because mm. to be honest with you, you don't. Right. Even if it's going well, you're working on someone else's thing. And I've worked with stars and I've worked with people and I look at them and I say, wow, they're just like me with much higher class of problems, meaning they're moved around by other people. They're told when they can or can't. And if you'd known that, if you really understand that mm. and you don't worry about, I have to be honest, I don't think fame has ever interested me. I know that sounds weird. And that might be a problem if you don't have this like blind like thing, like, oh, I need to be on the cover of this and do this. If you really like know where you stand in the scheme of storytelling, it would free you up at any point, especially when you start to pursue any of the channels that it offers. Mm. And writing is a great one because you can do it on your own. It's tricky as actors. We like to be with other people and we like kinetic energy and to socialize and to make jokes. So it's not always intuitive for the actor to sit at a flipping computer but if you learn how to master that and you find the same flow state alone that you can find in a scene, your feet kind of lift off the ground, yeah. you have a big leg up in the creative process in life, a real big leg up. Yeah. So I wish I'd known that earlier on. Yeah. And I also wish like someone had demystified the business side of it a bit. You know, you guys remember, it's like, yeah. Before you get on camera, you're like, Oh my God, what is that? What does that look like? How do I do it? How do, there yeah. are these people. Blah, 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 blah. It's and agents don't help. No, managers don't really help. They throw you in there. They're like, no. all right, let's throw you in. It's all trial by fire. It, right? mm-hmm. All trial by fire. They throw poop at the wall and they're like, oh, he's sticking. Let's go with him. You know, uh, young he's actors. Young Sean Penn. Right, and y- young actors asks me sometimes, like actors that I talk to or mentor, should I do extra work? Right, and I. And I'm going to tie this back to what you just said. And I usually say to them, really, if they're especially if they're just coming out of college, I say you absolutely should. First of all, you'd be treated poorly. It's very likely if when you do background work, unfortunately, that there's a lot of people and it's hard to keep track of everyone and they don't have enough attention and sometimes don't have enough patience or compassion or kindness to go around. But. There are, you know, good sets, good good ADs, people who work with background who are who are respectful, and hopefully you you, you end up on that set. But just be ready that it's it's not necessarily about being treated well, but go and do it a few times. Don't do it more than a few times because then they'll just see you as a background actor. But go and learn what's going on on that goddamn set. Like, who the hell are all these people and what do they do? Because no one teaches you that. They stick you in front of a camera and you're like, what? what is that person doing? Why is there a guy just like holding wires? Like, it's what, great advice. You know, and I say, go learn about sets, be on a set and demystify it. Um, it's just what you said. You know, I'll piggyback on that too. You meet a lot of people early on, they, they get frustrated with nepotism. Nepotism exists in every walk of life, okay? In every sector it exists. Uh, in the world of sports it exists, right? In the world of academia it exists, it exists, okay? What people who have well-known or famous parents learn is how to be on a set and that whole section of it removes a level of nerves and a level of mystery that can work against you actually being present that's all they really get you know what i mean but it is a big thing that i've learned over time my friend adam scott name dropping here 
years ago, I've known that dude for ages. And we he was just saying like, he brought someone up. I forget who it was. And he's like, yeah, well, what they know is how to walk around a set. I was like, that's right. Yeah. I spent half my time being stressed in the first, you know, five, 10 jobs that I got being like, Oh God. Okay. How does it, and then you have to think about the work. And once you deal with all that nonsense of being on the set, you're like, right. And now I have to be like in my acting class moment to moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Chris, There's someone working against you. Chris, what do you think? Is that, would you agree with that? I agree with it. You know, I grew up on, on movie sets and, you know, I knew exactly where the craft service table was and I knew what the first AD was doing. I knew why someone was yelling at me with a megaphone, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I kind of learned who was boss and who, you know, to make sure that you treated, I mean, first of all, you treat everybody with the same respect, but, you know, there's times where, you know, it gets frustrating as an actor, you know, you don't realize that like, oh my God, there's going to be somebody patting my face down like four seconds before I'm about to like cry, you know, and someone like fixing my collar, you know, mm -hmm. and telling yeah. me my shirt's not tucked in right, you know, like how do you focus, you know, do you learn to focus on a, on a, movie set as opposed to, you know, being yeah. in a, in it's a different, play where different you're than, where, different than an acting class too. Right. Where it's uh, you know, Oh yeah. I mean, you never, I mean, I don't care. I, you know, I never went to an acting class where someone was like, excuse me, sir, I'm going to patch you down right now with some makeup <laughs> and right. fix your shirt collar right before I'm about to do something. Right. You know? The opposite. It's freedom. It's feeling. It's, let it yeah. go. Right. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I loved being on a stage at a studio. To me, that there was something magical about being in a, a place that had, you know, 45 foot ceilings, you know, and, and, and the smell of this play, you know, it was, I mean, literally like I saw John Wayne die, like on the, I, with guns and stuff as a kid, I didn't even realize that I was actually on a stage. You know, like I was seven, eight years old going like, holy shit, like, this is like crazy. There are horses and and like inside, you know, and lights and it's so exciting. I mean, to yeah. me, that was that was everything. You know, it's fine being on the street on a location, but to be in on a, in a studio on a stage has got a whole nother feeling. You know? Yeah, I think to, to like just maybe to sum up the, the question or the, the answer is like, Anything that relaxes you works in your favor. That's all mm. you need to do. It's just about relaxation. It's just mm. And how can you be relaxed when you're 23 or 24 and you have no concept of any of it? You're just thrown in. I wish someone had simply said, or there had been a course or a class or something, you know, that says, yeah. okay, so just keep in mind, this is actually the way things go down. Yeah. And it's not quite as maybe complicated as the mystery and, and, and dimension of it in your mind might make it before mm. you actually get to it. It seems, you know I mean? it seems glamorous and, and mysterious and ethereal. And then all of a sudden it's, it's just show up, do your work, try to be I relaxed. Mean, yeah. Yeah. I started working nonstop when I actually stopped caring for lack of a better word or stop, you know, just, it's, it's not, you just realize you're enough. Yeah. And I've said this before. It's like, we get it's in true. front of the camera and you feel like I've got to do more and I've got to, you know, yeah, or even an audition to be like, okay, an audition. I make them remember okay. me. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And now just, you know, I, maybe you don't care at all. And they're like, oh man, that guy that didn't care. That's Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That's right. right. That's but it's right. hard when you have, you have the bite of rent in expensive cities. You know, you have the bite right. of, you know, you don't want to do these other jobs and stuff. And I do think, David, to your point about extra work, I never did it. I feel, or I should say, I feel like I never had to do it, luckily. And I think it ha- it's tricky if someone like gets a, it's they go to an expensive acting school hmm. it's hard for them to then be like i'm gonna go do extra work however you know blue collar actors who have made it i've known a lot of them personally they started yeah. doing extra work absolutely there's no pretension there's no expectation they're like i have to work yep well this is uh, so this is an interesting question so hearing you say, you know, fame never really interested me and and also just some of the enthusiasm, I think, that that we're sensing from you about writing and things, you know, I want to ask, you know, and you've been very honest and open with us, and I want to ask a really sort of a forthcoming question. So you and I sat down a while back, I think it was at the after party for yeah, yeah, uh, uh, we, we Own This Town, right? The uh-huh. HBO series, yeah. We Own This Town with John Bernthal city. and uh, We Own This town. City. Uh, we Own This city, city. Yeah, David and George. Right, right, right. And you and I sat down, we talked a little bit, and one of the things I, I really took away from that conversation was you said, yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure that acting is really doing it for me anymore. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, and you and I, and then it was like, okay, hey, it's last call and we, and we parted ways. So I want to kind of use this as an excuse to ask you about that. And, and that's also, I think, a really valuable question to ask and, and to hear an actor with a lot of experience like you answer. Yeah. So look, it's a, it's a bigger thing. It's personal, but it's also, it takes a dimension of the business, Mm. right? It's a, I think the medium itself is amazing. We all know how amazing it can be. We've all been in classes. We've all been affected by performances, by, you know, to get to a place where you can express yourself to your fullest and have agency, like I said. I said, yeah, I can keep trying this, but I'm always relying on someone to say, you can express yourself, Mm. just very simply. Mm. And I have way too many opinions, whether they're like, political, personal, aesthetic. And I, you know, I, I would be in my life, not only my financial, but my creative is in the hands of people who I feel some people have a maybe specific perspective about how things are and they work. Now that thought spreads to trends. So, you know, I might go into an area that 
you don't want. So reel me back. But in the current climate we're in, it's everyone says, well, you know, you have to have diversity, which is true. Anyone who says you don't is ridiculous, right? Right. I don't think if you understand the history of even this country or profession, you can have anything to say against the fact that people of color minorities should, you know, have equal pay, equal access, all those yeah, things. More representation. Absolutely. But as a person who's American and Jewish on that side and Italian from Northern Italy, Florence on the other side, <laughs> Catholic, where do you put me? Mm. I went to colleges. I went to prep schools. Well, the industry would probably want me to be an Italian American, right? Which you've done, which they've which they've, I've done. They've slotted you I, into that, right, right? I can do it. They slot me in, and yeah, pay the rent. Pay pay good rent. Right? Yes, yes. It is pretty damn limiting mm. to say, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. Well, okay. I speak four languages fluently. You know, I went to like all types of school. Like, so if that's what it's going to be, it, it all just coalesced. All right? yeah. The deuce for me was like, okay, I've never played a mobster before. I was like, great, this is it. Let me play a mobster the way I would want a mobster to be. And then after that, I was like, I need to go make this movie that I've been writing. Ah, right. This is time for me. And my movie has nothing to do with mob or or gangs or tough guys or anything. It's a New York City story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's something that is about my sensibility, not as the business sees me, but mine. Formed mm. from that school I went to in France. Formed from 20 years of being an actor. Formed from the literature I read, from the music I was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it just was a natural thing that it took me my own path to get to. And I still will act for sure. But, you know, it's nothing, it's not anything that I am like, this is what I need to do. And it's the only thing I need to do. And it's my calling. No. Expression. Art is what I'm interested in mm. on all fronts. And so that was kind of the turn. And that, and it, I got to say, like, back to what I was saying, it frees you up in a lot of ways. That must feel good. It feels good. And also, lo and behold, jobs come. Why? I'm not the most spiritual human being, but there is something about that yeah. energy, you know? Do you, like, I, I heard you say that, you know, you don't necessarily cast yourself maybe in the, in this, you know, these parts or do you write for yourself? Are you just writing for the experience of writing and creating story? And then at the end of the day, is this something that you would, you would direct though? You would, I would direct a hundred percent. I can, yeah. I would a hundred percent direct. I've made three short films and I, after the edit of the second one, I was like, oh, this is what I should be doing. Mm. But that was before the deuce. So you see, it started to form early, but then I was working and I had great life. But I was like, ah, in an edit room is where everything that I learned at that theater school in France came together, which was about rhythm, space, movement, sound, all these like elemental things that you don't necessarily think about when you're building a moment and an emotional truth, even though they are baked in there, right? Yeah. Being a director, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not an actor anymore. Exactly. You know? So maybe you are right. a director. That's right. You know, you've, you're, you're proving it now. You've already <laughs> shown your, your, your played your cards. You are a director. 
who has some desire to act every once in a while, but it's not your desire to be on the cover of, you know, some magazine, mm-hmm. you know, your desire is to be creative individual and That's to it, share your, your, your feelings and, and color and light and music and, and everything. Yeah. And, At the risk and, of being reductive, I need and want to make things. That's it. My yes. father was a was an actor, became a director, and you know continued to act later in his life, and you know was an actor in in in, in many movies. You look at someone like you know Sidney Pollack was a director. He was also an actor. These guys, you oh know, yeah, they, or the guy that he, was doing that that a uh, Tar, the movie with Kate Blanchett. He's an actor. I forget mm, his name, but mm. but what about the guy who did a uh, Spotlight? He was in The Wire. Right. You yep. know that that guy. Yep. I, and and by the way, some of the directors that I've worked with who are actors, you're like, oh, especially on you guys know on TV where it's that machine yeah. of just director comes in, director goes out, director yep. comes in, director, yep. and then you get one. I recently worked with that actor from the 80s, Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. Right. Just say one thing and you're like, that's a breath of fresh air. Yes. You know? Yeah, because mm-hmm. he, he knows how he wants to be talked to as an actor and he knows that there's nuance. And absolutely. I mean, I felt that way. I felt that way with every every director I've worked with who was an actor. I felt that way about uh, Tim Busfield. I mean, you know, like lots of people who were, you know, they bring that that sensibility to directing. And I think, you know, really what I'm taking away from this, too, is that, you know, there's sometimes there's some stigma early on to being a hyphenate, you know. And I think young actors especially sometimes feel like I have to just have the drive to be famous as an actor. I have to just, you know. But in truth, you know, if you want to have longevity in this business, you you really do just have to have the desire to want to make things, to tell stories. And any way you can tell a story, you I feel like you're you're telling us, you know, we should allow ourselves to explore that. We should allow ourselves to 100% to find the freedom and the creativity to tell a story in any way we want. I mean, I I've tried sitting down to write and it's terrible. It's cliched and it's it's not my Well, you're a social guy. You're you kind of fall into that category I was saying before. Like you you're personable. You like being with people. It's it's Hard, man. Well, it's it's solitary work, but also I find that it's not necessarily what I'm what what jazzes me. It doesn't it's not like, ah, this writing feels good. But it's interesting when when I have had a chance to direct a little bit in the past, I'm like, oh, I I like the idea of telling a story from this point of view. And yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's it all comes together. I mean, it's it's all creativity. it's true and it doesn't necessarily have to be writing or directing it, but I, I encourage, you know, painting, building things, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Lo and behold, look at actors who reach the apex of our profession. Like how many of them all of a sudden go to produce? They do. You know, how many sudden, how many try to like other endeavors, you know, they, 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 things that, that reflect something else that's going on in their inner world. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you look at it that way, to me, it's actually opportunity. You know, yeah, and that's a positive way to look at it. You know, and we we're all about the positive here on Confessions of a Working Actor. So, <laughs> except well, except for this this segment, yeah, that's true. we usually that's do. True. We do a segment where we ask every guest their worst audition story ever. All right. Do you have a worst audition story you want to share okay. with us? So here's the thing: I have 
don't. <laughs> no, I don't. But 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 I I, I come. Well, we don't want you to. We don't want you to. We don't want you to make one up. We don't. We don't do no, that. But We're I like, have. I have a moment where this is. This is PG. This. This no, right? fuck that. No, okay, you said no, no. great, great, great. I have one where I literally was a nanosecond away from shitting my pants, and it was. <laughs> and it, but, but the thing is, this it wasn't like I, I'm sure there've been horrible auditions, but I've been lucky that I've been able to walk out and be like, eh, whatever. Or you go through the day two of the Hangover, and you're like, whatever, and you move on. Mm. I did go into audition for a play. Okay, get this. Spike Lee was going to direct. It was initially a play and they, they made it into a film and he was going to do the play Stalag 13 or 16 or something. Right, right. Like a, oh, right? Yeah. Okay. oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So I get an audition for this thing <laughs> and it's on 42nd Street. I like this already. It, it, listen, you go, I, it's on 42nd Street. It's with this casting director who gave me my first job in the um, Broadway, The View from the Bridge, yep. who I've never seen ever since, which is another thing that's important actors should know about casting mm. directors. They round robin. And you're their favorite, and then they disappear, and then they come back. It's almost like there's too many of us, or they don't know they're fucking with people's lives. It's one of the two. But anyway, so, let's go with the let's go with the former. Let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll yeah, go with the former. So I go into this room, the biggest motherfucking room I've ever been in. It was one of these Broadway rehearsal rooms that had four times the size of the ceiling. It was like a Sony theater or something, right? Mm, mm. And there's that table, that like Gestapo mm. table. The <laughs> yeah. They're all sitting like behind the table, arms crossed. In and in the middle yeah. is Spike Lee. Damn. And I walk in and it's like a scene, maybe two, right? And I had to go to the bathroom. Uh. I timed it wrong. Uh. And I go to the middle. I'm like, hey. Nothing. I got like a nod, right? So, dude, I go and do the scene, and three quarters of the way through the scene, I'm about to poop my pants, oh. and instead, <laughs> thankfully, I just go up on the line, and I go like this. I bend over and I go, I take a long, uncomfortable break, and I say, "Shit!" <laughs> and I look up. So it's not a horrible story because I look up, and he's like, he's looking at me. He goes, "You can start from the beginning. It's all good." Oh. So, so it was, look, I didn't get the job. I don't even think he did the play, but it was the apex of the nerves and a yeah. physical reaction yeah. met by what you'd expect from not like the most gregarious dude was actually, or friendly dude was actually, right. it, it had a softer landing. A little bit of compassion. Well, and a little bit of compassion. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I, listen, the reason we ask these stories, we ask every person who comes on is not, you know, we're not, it's not about the dirt. It's not about how hard everything is. It's that we all remember that we've all been there. We've all had yeah. terrible auditions and whether it's literally that you, you can't remember your lines or something about the craft or your preparation or literally, you know, like whether you go in and your body betrays you, you know, it's like, Hey, listen, it, it all happens. It, you're reminding me of, maybe you talked about it, but the book Auditioning by Joanna Merlin. Sure. Who was one of, Joanna was one of my mentors. She was the casting director that I was sent to when I was 18. Mm. And I recommend that book to everyone and anyone. And I think there was a moment in it where Marlon Brando hit the stage at 23 and everyone was like, where, who's this guy? Where were, and they looked at the books and they were like, oh, he'd auditioned 50 million times. Yeah. No one paid attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, it's full of stories like that. I don't want to oversell those stories though. Because our, our 
our, our profession is built on story and myth. And there's a tendency to be like, take that one and right. you create 50,000 dreams. And right. People get, you know, but well, that's, that's they, why, they exist, well, that's know? why we're doing a lot of different stories. And, and yeah. I want to segue to our mm-hmm. last segment, because I think it's a good time to do that. Because you said something about this audition that I think might, I don't know, I don't know if this will be your best piece of advice, but it might be, we'll see. We, we, we also ask our guests, what, you know, what's your, what's your one piece of advice? What's that best piece of advice that you, you would give to other actors, other creative people? And, and I just want to, it doesn't have to be this, but you just said, you know, ah, you go into the audition and then you leave it and you go out and you, maybe you have the, the post audition hangover for a day or two, but then you're like, whatever. And you forget about it. And I, we have heard other actors talk about that, about go in, do your work and go home and get on with your life. And I wonder if, if, you can talk about that a little bit. So I'd like to, I want to answer that because it's, it's a good one, but I want to maybe like, I don't know if I should tell you before or after two encounters with very well established actors that I think played into this somehow because Mm. they did give me a sense of hope and like, just that like everyone is in this weird, strange situation together so which would you want to hear first? I'm easy. You guys drive. Either. Come on. Just <laughs> whatever feels right. Yeah, bring it. Bring it. Okay. So listen, I'm doing a play in Los Angeles at the Pasadena Playhouse. And I'm playing the lead in Biloxi Blues. And there's a director who was horrible. Hmm. Hack. Complete. Okay. And I'm struggling. I don't even know the the in one of the scenes where I have to go to the prostitute actress had a drug issue and she went from the first line to the last line. It was just the whole thing was a mess, but she was wonderful. This woman. And she saw I was struggling. She said, do you want to go? My friend, Tony will help you. And I said, sure. He lives in uh, Hancock park. I'm like, he'll just help me. Sure. So I I go, he's, he's great with this stuff. I go to this nice house, pull up in my Toyota Celica. And I ring the doorbell and Tony Shalhoub answers the door. <laughs> hey, how are you? You're so and so sorry. Come in, come in, come in. Do you mind sitting in here? No. He goes over the whole play with me and explains how it's done, what needs to, I'm at his house the whole evening. Oh my and god. And I'm sitting there. This was a long time. This is like early 2000s. So and at the end of the night, I was like, Can I, can I give you anything? He said, Um, do you like ice cream? I was like, Yeah, he goes. Why don't you take me and my daughter for an ice cream? I was like, okay. They pile into my crummy celica. We go to Larchmont. Amazing. Amazing. That's a true story. Amazing. That's good, right? I got another one one more, and then I'll get to the last thing. Mm -hmm. I did a miniseries with David Simon, in which I had the fortune to play this really dweeby mayor. And then I had, from that, he cast me in the deuce to play the opposite. It's like heavy. And one day I show up, David's not like super aware of actors. He kind of loads them jokingly, but you know, yeah. he, he's a, he's, he was a uh, journalist, right? Master and I fucking love the guy. But one day I show up and him and Bill Zorzi, the writer, I had to give a little talk at a podium. He goes, hey, we just wrote you this thing. And it's a page of dialogue. And what do you mean? We shoot in 10 minutes. He goes, yeah, so just learn this. And then we'll start with that. Oh. And I'm like, it's David Simon. I'm like, what am I supposed to say that? Fortuitously, Catherine Keener, who was also in that miniseries, had just wrapped her day and she's standing there. They walk away. She looks at me and she goes, come here. She takes me into a back room with a set and runs the monologue, runs wow. the speech with me for about 
five to seven minutes. Wow. That's it. I bet. And I bet because she'd been there she, that it happened to her. And, you know, yeah, we, we, you got to treat each other well. That's it. We got to show That's up for it. each other. Now, the last thing to answer your question, I know it was a roundabout way, but I, thought I it love it. Important it's, stories. It's, that's the, the meaning of a podcast is a roundabout way. So go for it. <laughs> yeah, good. Now, um, my answer might let you down, but it's a bit philosophical and it comes from writing. We would expect nothing less from you. <laughs> and it's how these two things blend. And I think it's fundamental for creative life. My late friend, Dave, who was the best screenwriter I know, taught me a lot about writing. He's an English guy, great soccer player too. Mm. This is the advice I'd give to actors but it's also the most, it, it's the perfect way of where it just all blends, okay? Mm -hmm. When I'm struggling through a scene, I said, Dave, what? just tell me, like, what's the ABC? And he goes, okay. Your character achieves his goal, but not how he expects, or your character doesn't achieve his goal, but receives something else unexpected. Uh. That's, That's how it works. That's gold. I'm going right to I'm gonna have to rewrite my script I'm working on. Right now. <laughs> but that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the root of creativity. Yeah. And discovery and, and discovery. And, discovery yeah. and it's the root. It's how you have to go through all this stuff. You that's... can't go in beyond saying, focus, do this. Because then you're not open to what else is being shown to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we've mm -hmm. talked about curiosity and discovery. And uh, I'm not surprised to hear you say what you said. And that's, that's, I think that's great advice. And I don't think it's roundabout at all. I think that's good. <laughs> I, th I think that's fantastic advice. Oh my God. I can't, I don't want to stop Chris. I, uh, no, this is terrific. I really appreciate we'll do, it. We'll do the, do the part two. Where are they now? Yeah. We'll do the part two. You can come back. Yeah. You know, there's no reason why yeah, you can't come. That's back. Right. And by the way, we just have to stop because I have to go use the bathroom. That's all. Yeah. I, I have to go to the know. dentist to be honest with you. Oh, oh, ouch. All right. I'd I was, I was kidding. My goal, but... Which is a cleaning. I do not want to receive anything unexpected. In that well, way. you may get no. something else. Be open to it. We'll see. You never know. <laughs> a gold, a gold cap. <laughs> a gold cap. A grill. You're going to come on with a grill. Hey, hey. hey, listen, it might work in your favor. Who knows? Daniel Serafini Sauli, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. That was fun. Great Glad to hear. Yeah, it was terrific. Great to talk to you. Yeah, would have been nice to have this when I was, uh, you know, coming, when we were all coming up. Yeah, well, that's kind of the idea is just to, you know, share share some stories, share some ideas, some advice, and uh, and some, you know, some some real honest stuff. And we we appreciate your honesty and uh, beautiful. You know. I appreciate you guys, and I respect your sound booth like a it, mother. It, oh, thanks. It takes a village, man. You know, that's what I'm hearing. You know, yeah. you can't do it alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of what we do. It's what's difficult, but it's a beauty. I love those stories about, you know, just about people helping, about actors helping actors and, you know, directors. And no, I met Tony Shalhoub and he just strikes me as a prince of a guy. No surprise Tip there. Top. And, you know, um, Tip top. I got spoiled, man. Yeah, Andy no, that's and Lee, Liam Neeson were my two first. Those oh, guys are yeah. wonderful humans. Yeah. You know? Yep. Great so, reputation. Well, thank you for sharing all that with us, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, guys. All right. And we're happy to hey, have Grandpa. you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Cheerio, Chris. Greetings to you across the pond in London. And I guess we'll, you and I will connect yeah. next time on Confessions of a Working Actor. Well, it's been another great 20 minutes with you, my friend. And you too, brother. It's been fun. Yeah, that was great. Cool. I thought that was awesome. All right. Star, star that. That was terrific. And we got another great guest coming up next week. So be sure to tune in again to Confessions of a Working Actor. 
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.